Well, hello, and welcome to Sips and Sensibility, a podcast where three best friends from college talk about Jane Austen adaptations. This season, we're discussing Pride and Prejudice. I'm Julia. I'm Beth. And I'm Lori. Today, we are discussing the luminous, the incredible, the beloved 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Hallelujah! <laughs> you can watch it for $3.99 on Amazon, iTunes, and YouTube, or you can watch it for free on Hulu. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Sips and Sensibility Pod to keep up with the new adaptations and give us a like on Facebook. Also, please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out and we love to hear your thoughts. So, ladies, before we discuss this incredible gem of a film, I gotta know what you're sipping. I'm drinking a Bartles and James wine cooler. Ooh. As I have had previously on the pod, but this time I'm drinking the flavor grapefruit and green tea. Ooh, we love a good grapefruit. That sounds interesting. I'm a sucker for any alcoholic beverage that involves grapefruit. (laughs) (laughs) Truly anything. I will try it. Um, So I really love this. And we just had a wonderful weekend with my whole family coming to visit with us. It was so nice. And I was, and my mom and I were listening a little bit to the podcast where I was talking about, again, drinking a Bartles and James wine cooler and how I thought the name was so odd. And yeah, I was talking about it. And she said that this is what she used to drink when she was younger. This is like the drink of choice. Aww, that is so precious. What a sweet tie to your mom. I know. I know. Yes. And so I happened to have some in the fridge. And so when we got home, um, she got one out and tried it. And she said it tasted exactly like it did. That's so cute. <laughs> um, it was so funny. And she said that she remembered it being like very berry. I think she said the flavor was very berry. And this just tasted exactly like that. <laughs> it doesn't have the strongest flavor, so I can understand that. Anyways, this is great and it's a nice drink, um, especially we've had a little bit of a crazy couple weeks here. Yeah, Beth, when you started your sentence and you said we had a wonderful week before you got to the weekend <laughs> part, I was like, you liar. <laughs> yeah, my husband uh, hydroplaned on the interstate and totaled his car while I was on the phone with him. So that was not the most stressful, pleasant way to begin a week. Um, and we ended up buying a, a new car quite unexpectedly. So it has just been a, a weird time for us. But there have been some bright spots, such as conversations with these lovely ladies, watching a beloved um, Pride and Prejudice film and spending time with my family. You just did all the adult things this week. And we are so proud of you and so thankful you guys are OK. Thank so, you. So thankful. Yes, I'm really glad Ben's OK. It was a scary time. Uh, Lori, what are you drinking this evening? Well, I'm switching it up. I'm actually drinking um, a celestial black cherry tea. Celestial? Of course it's black. It's black cherry. <laughs> Listen, okay? Let me love my cherry stuff, all right? Okay, you're a black cherry. You're the way with cherry that I am with grapefruit. I guess yes. that makes sense to you yeah. now. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it so much. Um, it's actually way too freaking hot right now to drink. 
Um, so I'm letting it cool. But this, it's I got the um, fruit sampler, the celestial fruit sampler, which is the only way that I know of, unless somebody has a secret in with the celestial tea company, uh, to get the black cherry flavor. Um, is to buy the like sampler pack. So I bought that the other day and I was like, ooh, I know what I'm having now. So that is seeping, or seeping, that is steeping. <laughs> and the real uh, question though, Lori, is microwave or kettle? Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> that's our answer. I realized <laughs> that is my answer. Um, I thought when my mom told me the other day, that she had a kettle, it was a electric kettle, mm. as we had in college. And, you know, you turn it on and it goes. And, you know, five minutes later, you have boiling water. No, no, this was a stove kettle. And there was five minutes until recording. So there was no time to stove kettle. Well, Julia, it looks like you are also sipping on some some tea, mayhaps. Yes, I am. I have also gone to an old faithful favorite of mine to discuss this old faithful favorite film. Um, I am drinking the Harney and Sons Dragon Pearl Jasmine Tea tonight. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just was ready to have a nice calming tea because... I am home alone tonight. My husband is on a work trip. I wasn't able to go with him. So this is my first night in this apartment by myself. It's actually my my first night sleeping alone since we got married. Um, we've had two girls weekends since Austin and I have been married. We were on month uh, 14 of marriage, but we've had two girls weekends. And both of those weekends, I have shared a bed with Beth. So... <laughs> <laughs> this is my first time sleeping alone, so I had to have a nice little calming tea. All right, everyone, the podcast is over. I have to go drive to Alabama so I can <laughs> keep Julia company. <laughs> People, it is time. It is freaking time. Hallelujah. Can I just say, last night, I had the privilege of rewatching this, and not only did I buy a bottle of champagne to watch that movie with. I also bought um, dark chocolate digestives, which are phenomenal. Yes, girl. The Kroger International section. Let me tell you, Americans, go get them, put them in the fridge or the freezer. Beautiful. Um, bought those. Found some wine gums, which are amazing. Are they? Are um, those just gummies? What? Can you tell me more? Yes, they're gummies. Yes. Okay. So let me elaborate here. Uh, this can be my little add-on. Uh, I got the Norfolk Manor wine gums, which are not the brand I had in London. May I just say? Because um, they taste a little different. I was but, not expecting them to be uh, British. Yeah. Yes, yes, they are British. They all from the Brits. Um, They're so good. They're so good. Um, These ones taste a little weird, but the kind I remember from London is not this brand. And when I remember the brand, I will tell you, somebody, if y'all remember the brand out there, UK people, help me out. Send it to me on Instagram because I need to buy some more. Speaking of just blatant ads... (laughs) I completely <laughs> forgot to tell you guys, but I have joined the Inkwell Threads sweatshirt game. I got my J-Night sweatshirt this week, and I've just been 
wearing it. I'm wearing it tonight. Repping our girl Jane. I even had someone ask me what Janeite meant. So I was able to share my love of Jane. So I'm a huge fan. And if you guys haven't checked this sweatshirt out, we will share the link on our Instagram this week. My goodness. Well, let's not delay any longer. Let's talk about our one true, sorry, Austin and Ben, our one true, our greatest love. Yes, the 2005 Pride and Prejudice. And I'm going to just think that this question is <laughs> almost null at this point. But did you like it? Yes. No. Thoughts? I love this film so much. I've seen it so many times. I was sitting there with Austin watching it last night and... I wish I could remember the first time that I saw this movie, but I can't because I watched it countless times growing up. And it is just as beautiful then as it is now. And I think that is such a testament to the beauty of this film. And I know we'll talk more about specifics of why I love this film later on, but I I love it. It is beautiful and moving and just art there is a reason this film is my favorite movie of all time besides the fact that it's my favorite Jane Austen adaptation of all time spoilers uh this film sends my heart rate down to 60 and I become like a peaceful lamb when I hear the opening score I love the music in this I'm jumping ahead here but this movie, I think Julia has seen me melt into the carpet and sigh watching this film more times than I can count. And I'm pretty sure I added melting into an armchair last night. Wow. Yeah, I would agree. This movie is just delightful. It is also my favorite movie of all time. Um, and I just want to take a second here before we really dive in. And I want to compare this movie to the movie adaptation adaptation of one of my favorite books of all time which is the sixth harry potter book harry potter harry potter and the half-blood prince because i do want to take a moment and acknowledge that if you and none of us none of us were in this position i don't think laurie i might be wrong for you but if you read pride and prejudice and you absolutely loved pride and prejudice the book and then you watch this movie I can understand why it might be disappointing, why it may upset you. Personally, I can't feel that way because of my immense love for this film and because it was my first ever exposure to Austin. The closest that I can come, and I'm, I'm just trying to sympathize and understand here, is my experience watching the sixth Harry Potter movie. And that was my absolute favorite book. And I was so excited for it. And I was really let down by what they had changed and what they had left out. So I'm just here to try and say that I can understand why you may dislike it or be disappointed in it, though I completely am not. I completely love it. Yeah, and I just wanted to add that I, on rewatching this film, since I so recently read the book and we so recently watched the 95, which is just objectively more true to the novel in terms of dialogue and actions and events that happen there were things that I realized were cut out that I hadn't thought about before that did make me sad now does this make me feel like it's not a good movie does it make me love it any less like Beth said no but there are things that I wish they could have added and I think this movie comes in at like a, a 
flat two hours. And now that movies are, we're used to longer movies, like a lot of movies are hitting the close to the three hour mark nowadays. I feel like if we remade this film today, they could add in just a few of those moments and it would make it just a masterpiece. Um, but I, I do see why some people have a problem. And I will say, Beth, it's funny that you mentioned the six Harry Potter. I actually watched that movie before I read the book and I love the six Harry Potter. And I know that's like, it's been a controversial opinion that I've had to argue and defend so many times, but it's because <laughs> if you watch it on its own, it's a great movie. Like if it's not connected to the book, it's a good movie. The same thing is true about the Pride and Prejudice uh, from 2005. For me, I don't know. I, they're like the same, but standalone in my opinion. For me, the 2005 is as much Pride and Prejudice as it is a romantic experience from above like the artwork and the sheer magic between the cinematography which oh my god is amazing and the music and the acting and the romance and somehow being able to make a man look not super appealing to smoking hot and gorgeous stalking towards you in the morning dew is immaculate. And while, yes, there are things in the movie that aren't completely accurate or are missing, I still love it as a Pride and Prejudice adaptation. This does something completely different with the story, and I and I think this whole time that I was trying to watch it, I was trying to watch it really critically, which is challenging for me because it's a movie I watched before I really thought about movies critically, and I was trying to put to words what it was I loved about it because I did really love watching the 1995 Pride and Prejudice. I mean, like what you were seeing, Julia, I love seeing all those scenes from the book, and it's challenging not to see them. Um, but this is just a different version. This is a version that puts you inside of Elizabeth's head. We are constantly, as the viewer, equated to Elizabeth, shown things from from her perspective. And would I have loved to see them explore every single moment from the book? Absolutely. But that's just not possible. I mean, just like what you're saying, it's not possible in a two-hour film But instead, I feel like what they chose to focus on and add brings such great life to the story and brings like a sense of normalcy where it feels Mm -hmm. it feels more relatable. Whereas, you know, I keep seeing in the 1940 and the 1995, almost like I was watching a stage play Mm. and I'm actually a part of the action in this film, which is what I really, really love about it. Yeah. One other thing that I wanted to add really quickly is that. The pacing of this film is just incredible. It never, it never stops. And I think that the scenes that I would love would have caused the movie to drag. You know, as much as I hate to say that, it would have. It's a different experience reading versus watching a movie. And Joe Wright does such an incredible job with the pacing of this film. Another thing, Beth, you were talking about how we can get inside Elizabeth's head. And their use of the slow zoom is incredible because there were so many times where characters would be thinking things and in a book Jane Austen can describe to us what is going on or we can see based on her description 
but instead so that things aren't um so that they don't have to explicitly say what they're thinking all the time which would just be boring they use the slow zoom and these actors do such an incredible job it happens for Darcy and Elizabeth multiple times, Bingley, even small characters like Mr. Collins get the slow zoom moment where you see their thought processes. And I loved that. That's such a good example, Julia. I hadn't even thought about that specifically, the the noticing of the small zoom. Um, but I also had that note about pacing because everything is so rushed, right? Like right away, Mr. Bennett am- admits that he's already seen mm-hmm. um, Mr. Bingley, that he's already introduced himself, which is weird because in the book that provides a lot of tension and here it doesn't have the same effect. So everything is rushed because there's not a lot of time and because they leave stuff out. But at the same time, it feels like it's going so slowly because they give you so many small mm-hmm. mundane moments. Mm-hmm. You see Elizabeth walking countless times which really slows it down because normally you go from scene to scene to scene to scene where there's action happening so it's the slowness of her walking a conversation beneath a tree a look at life on the farm just these moments uh, where things are just naturally happening and it doesn't feel staged Mm -hmm. and it feels slow and normal and that again makes you as a viewer have a more intimate experience Mm -hmm. and It's such an incredible thing that they've done here. One of the things that I really noticed this watch through, um, more than any other, besides the fact that this movie is almost purely through Elizabeth's eyes, was how much the director, and this is like an actual thing, um, shout out IMDb trivia section and Wikipedia, um, because I was like, is this in my head or not? Joe Wright really wanted to put a focus on family in this film. And you can tell that the Bennett family is a family. You get the sisters, like, besides the normal, like, bickering, you just see, like, daily family life. Like, interactions where you're looking at um, Jane, who... While she's been exasperated with her mother, this entire film, when Lydia is driving away in a carriage, mm-hmm. comforts her mother because she's, like, exasperated, but that's her mother and she still cares about her. Like, the whole film, you just get these little bitty loving family moments that I didn't notice the first time, but just make the film more precious, if that makes sense. That moment you're talking about with um, Elizabeth comforting her mom after uh, Lydia's leaving and Mrs. Bingley's like, oh, it's so hard to lose a daughter. Uh, That really stuck out to me this time, too, because we see in so many portrayals, Elizabeth kind of, it seems like she hates her mom or she just really, really doesn't like her. And so I thought that was interesting as well. Let's go ahead and talk about critical reception. So this movie has an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'd say that's fairly respectable. They also have an 89% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. But, Lori, I just want to circle back to something you were saying a moment ago. And, and maybe we should just go ahead and talk about, you know, cinematography and music and, and some of those other things. Because two things that I really want to quickly point out. I mean, it has the best soundtrack of all time. Ugh. But um, I would buy the soundtrack <laughs> on 
disc and I don't have anything to play a disc on. Yes. But the, um, the costuming and the set design are just really, really incredible. And these are things that I remember noticing when I took my Jane Austen on film class. And I think that there's really good examples of what you're talking about earlier. How you were talking about that focus on family. The Bennett's house, you see it, you know, we see the inside in the first few moments of the film. It looks lived in. Mm-hmm. It looks like a family is there. You know, you can tell that the walls are aging that you know there's a bonnet laying on the table there's a dress being mended it is a family home and we also see that family and that dynamic of the family really represented in their clothing the scene that really stuck out to me was the scene where um, mrs bennett and the three youngest bennett daughters come to netherfield and you know mrs bennett is wearing like somewhat neutral clothing it's a little bit brighter the two youngest girl two youngest girls kitty and uh lydia are wearing just kind of gaudy clothing it's brightly colored it's probably more expensive and then mary is wearing dark clothes to kind of represent her personality and i think that's a really great example of just showing us with costuming what those characters are like in their personalities um i was just blown away um especially by the set design this time because I just noticed it more than any other time. It was so good. Yeah, people also often I've seen uh, get upset that Mrs. Bennett's costume, the cut of it is different. It's an older style and people are saying that that's not period. Um, And I actually learned this from uh, the costume designer of the Pride and Prejudice show that I was in in high school, who I just absolutely loved. She was amazing. But she also put me as Mrs. Bennett in a costume with that same cut. And she said that she thought that choice was made. And this is conjecture. But that choice was made because Mrs. Bennett's clothes are behind the times. They don't have enough money for her to keep up with fashion. And she would rather her daughters be dressed in the latest fashions. Um, and so she has, you know, older looking clothes. Another random little tidbit on costuming. Uh, Joe Wright hates empire wastes. So he purposely set this film just slightly ahead of when that typical Regency empire waste would be in every level of society. So only the higher echelon in this film would be wearing that empire waste. So think about Caroline, uh, Caroline Bingley. And everybody else would be wearing things prior to that. So he kind of got his way with costuming there a little bit. One other thing that I wanted to talk about in terms of music and cinematography, obviously we've discussed this film is just beautiful. The set design is incredible. The colors are gorgeous. The locations that they chose, I love the location that they chose for Pemberley. Jane Austen goes into such detail describing the grounds of Pemberley and just how beautiful they are. And I felt like, Even though, you know, if you totally mapped out what she said, it might not be perfect. It captured the spirit of what I was imagining when I read uh, her description of Pemberley. And I just thought that was beautiful. Um, And I also just wanted to mention that one thing that I noticed that I thought was really cool was that there were a lot of uh, lines. There was a lot of dialogue that was spoken as the camera was moving off. You know, in group settings, people would say things. that were almost like fading into the background for example charlotte uh she and elizabeth are discussing you know is jane being forward enough with flirting with bingley and 
Charlotte has this line about, you know, we, we need to snap up our husbands where we can kind of a thing. And you almost miss it if you're not paying close enough attention because the camera's already moved off of her. And I just loved that choice because I feel like that choice that Joe Wright made, it makes you feel again like you're in the mind of Elizabeth because sometimes these important moments we don't notice, you know? And I, I think that's so cool and so lifelike. Yeah, it totally puts you in it. It's like you're a guest walking through the party. You're seeing these these snippets, these scenes of um, Mr. Bennett coming and comforting Mary after he's you know he's told her he sh- she shouldn't be playing the piano anymore. Um, you catch a couple flirting that shouldn't be flirting. There's just so <laughs> many small moments like that that we're allowed a glimpse into that we wouldn't normally get. And I think one of the things that adds to that even more is kind of the raw glimpses we see into characters. There's things like um, stumbling over words, speaking at the same time that happens with Darcy and Elizabeth a, a couple of times. Uh, one of my absolute favorite scenes is Elizabeth seeing Georgiana playing piano for the first time. And it's like she's almost spying on her through a crack in the door. And we have that glimpse of it being through a crack in the door. And then you see Darcy come in and you feel Elizabeth's surprise. And then it immediately cuts to her running away. Just exactly how it would be in in real life. Like you would just in a flash be like way out the door trying to get away. And it's such a contrast to the slow scene changes that they normally have that it makes you feel it even more. And I was really impressed by that as well as a lot of the other cuts that they chose to make in this film. Um, They use their cuts well and they're not often quick cuts. Um, They're normally more smooth transitions, but when they're quicker cuts, it gets your attention and it means that something matters it has an effect. They're not making any choices in this film just to make a choice. Every single choice they make feels incredibly intentional. Well, ladies, I think it's time to discuss in depth some of these characters that we love so much. So let's start off with dear, sweet, precious angel, Jane Bennett, who is played in this adaptation by Rosamond Pike. And Rosamond Pike has been in a a different sort of uh, genre <laughs> of films since this. Uh, but she's been very active. In Jack Reacher, she played Helen. In the movie Gone Girl, she played Amy Dunn, which is just the polar opposite of Jane Bennett. If you've seen that movie, you know. Um She was in the film Radioactive as Marie Curie, and she was recently in the movie I Care A Lot as Marla Grayson, and that's just a few of her many films since then. I love Jane in this adaptation. She's just a sweetie pie, but I gotta know, what do you guys think of Rosamund Pike's Jane? I gotta do a quick shout out. Ben is really excited to see Rosamund Pike in The Wheel of Time. Um, TV series which is coming out later this year but to me there's just no more perfect Jane she is sweet and quiet and shy and kind and she encapsulates her so well and I think that she is probably one of the characters that feels the most true to the book she 
in all in the versions that we've seen in in every version of Pride and Prejudice I've seen, I can't, I can't imagine a better um, version of Jane. She's such a good job acting her, and she looks the part. You know, she's really beautiful, and they they and she's obviously beautiful in this film, but she's not like over the top beautiful, and her character really shines it's like through. A, a wispy, ethereal kind of beautiful. Yes, she's like an angel. I will say. Uh, these four actors for these four characters are my just shining example of what perfect mm. casting is. Um, and I love them all with my entire heart. Like, I don't think I could cast a better edition of Pride and Prejudice. Um, Rosamund does fantastic in this film. What I love most about her acting is we get that shy demure Jane but you also see in the quick little facial changes when she's kind of blatantly lying to Lizzie you know like I'm fine I could pass him on the street and we could be strangers where like you see she she's not fine she's you know trying to make other people happy which is such a Jane thing and you do see when they're at the ball you obviously watching this film and experiencing it as Elizabeth see Jane like you see her falling in love with Bingley and like you see it more obviously than the other characters and just the breakdown at the end when she just becomes pure joy when he proposes is like that is her true emotion through the entire film finally coming out and Rosamund just does a perfect job. Yeah, I absolutely loved her portrayal as well. And one thing that I really love that she does is the contrast between her uh, her public personality and her private personality. Mm-hmm. She's she's so meek. And that's the way Jane's supposed to be, you know. In public, when she meets Bingley, as you guys talked about, she's just so sweet. But we barely see her talking to Bingley really in this film their love story is all through these sweet looks and one moment that I just absolutely loved as you were talking about Lori they are falling in love at the ball and it's the ball when uh they're that first ball scene at um the the town the town ball and Bingley's actually dancing with Charlotte but he cannot stop looking over at Jane and she can't stop looking at him and it's so sweet Elizabeth notices and she just knows that her sister is falling in love and it's all those quiet little moments Um, but then you see the contrast of her her personality coming through with Elizabeth where she's so giddy and she's so sweet and understanding and we see so much more of her personality with her her sister Um, I also really loved Uh, there was a scene where um, Charles at the Lucas Lodge is talking about how he never really has enough time for reading and he's kind of fumbling over his words and trying to be like well I can't read I just I just and then Jane comes in and saves him and she's like oh it just always seems that there's you know too many things to be doing and he's like exactly and it's just such a sweet moment that perfectly encapsulates Jane and her personality and I loved that moment um but yeah, I really did love her relationship with Elizabeth too. I thought they were such a good representation of sisters. And one thing that I loved was when they were first talking about uh, Bingley, they were sharing a bed and 
uh, they're under the covers and just talking about Bingley and smiling. And at the end of the scene, Jane kind of like kicks under the sheets and we get that shot of her just like kind of kicking her feet so excited. And Austin looked over at me and was like, do 20 year old girls really still do that? And I was like, yes. Yes. (laughs) I was like, Austin, (laughs) Beth and I fell asleep holding hands so many nights. I can't tell you like, yes, we're still (laughs) extra like that. Um, But yeah, I loved, I loved Jane. What a sweet look at sisterhood we see here. The intimacy of, you know, talking under the covers late at night and doing each other's hair and the looks that they share, the two of them, I really, really love. Also because we are also a Harry Potter um, stan podcast. (laughs) I just saw a piece of trivia that says that Rosamund Pike turned down the role of Rita Skeeter in Harry Potter Mm -hmm. and the Goblet of Fire. So that she could be in this film. That's a good choice. <laughs> yeah. I love Harry Potter, but... <laughs> good, good life choice. The right casting choices were eventually made in both of those films. Well, let's move on to Jane's love interest, the adorable golden retriever, puppy dog, levy boy, Charles Bingley, who is played in this adaptation by Simon Woods. Simon Woods isn't really active in... Uh, films these days but he did play Edward Vanderman in the movie Penelope Um, what did you guys think of Simon Wood's portrayal of Charles Bingley I will say now every time I watch this film I keep seeing little things that he does and I'm like that's Austin (laughs) Austin does that so yes Julia did in fact marry a Bingley um I love the acting in this you can tell just how joyful and how fun he thinks everything is and you can see how seriously he does take Darcy's uh how seriously he does take Darcy's opinions and advice um the scene in the Netherfield ball where he just chases after Jane's dress with his fingers and barely, barely touches the ribbon. You're like, and he is completely in love. Hook, line, singer. This is the softest expression of love I have ever seen. And I'm screaming. That scene does not get enough attention compared to the hand flex. The hand flex is amazing, but that, the gentle skirt grab, like the absent minded, just reaching out to be close. Hi. There's so much focus on hands and touch, and that one is so sweet. Um, I thought he was excellent. It makes me sad that he's not really been in too much else, but I feel like that was probably his choice. Um, the scene, this is one of my all-time favorite scenes in any movie. The scene where uh, he has returned. Mm-hmm. Bingley has returned. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And he's returned to Netherfield, and everyone knows, and he goes and visits the Bennets, and it's just super awkward. And Mrs. Bennett kind of like screws it up. She looks honest. absolutely insane that whole yes. scene. Yes. <laughs> and he and Darcy go outside and yes. Bingley is practicing his proposal <laughs> with Darcy. That is one of my all time favorite scenes. I mean, just to see him like pacing around, to see him practicing what he's gonna We're say. We're going to come in and she was supposed to say, sit down. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> and it didn't happen. And uh, he you know, he says hi Mrs. B- hi Miss Bingley and Darcy's like hello it's just <laughs> Mr. Bingley. it's so cute and I can so imagine 
just guys that I know being that way and in that situation. I really love it. One of my favorite lines to come out of this entire film is immediately following this scene, which, yes, this is also my favorite scene in this entire movie. Well, one of them. I have many. Uh, but it's when Bingley comes back in and he's like, I would like an audience with Jane, basically. And everyone leaves and he's like, first? He, first, he strides up confidently. You can tell that Darcy has finally hyped this man up. He's, he's got the confidence. He's like, I'm going to get my girl. And he puts his hat on the table or on the sofa. He puts his hat on the sofa. And he goes up to her and he's like, first, I must say, I have been a complete and unmitigated ass. And you can tell he's like rehearsed this line so many times in his head. And he finally gets it out. And then you just see him go down on one knee and that's mm-hmm. it. And then you just see her face. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I loved about that scene that just like in the book where Jane Austen makes us imagine some of these special moments. I was like, they're doing mm-hmm. that for us. So I loved that scene, Lori, and I just love his um, his portrayal. I also, there are a couple of small moments too that I really love that I thought he did so well. Uh, one is when the, the carriage is leaving Netherfield. And they're going to London. Charles is looking out the window and he looks so sad. And I feel like Simon Woods just did such a great job of showing completely on his face that he's like, he's leaving his heart behind. And I loved that. So because we really don't hear a lot about Charles or Caroline in this movie in between Uh, him leaving in the proposal really at all and so I thought it was so important for the audience to get to see that he's sad to leave um I also really loved as you said the skirt grab but post skirt grab scene the Bennett's are the last to leave the Netherfield bar ball and they're just Mrs. Bennett's drunk and they're all being crazy and whatever and Charles and Caroline are waving to them from their little porch deck situation. And Caroline looks at him as just kind of like, really? Because her, fa- you know, Jane's family is so crazy. And you can't be serious. Charles, Charles Bingley doesn't say a word, but the look on his face is like, uh, it speaks a thousand words because really he, you can tell he still loves Jane, but he knows to a certain extent, like, yeah, her family. Like, there's just this this look. And I felt like he he just played those moments so, so well. Um, so I just loved him. And I, I, again, to me, Charles and Jane maybe don't get to talk as much in this movie as in other adaptations, but they share so many looks. And that's where their love story is to me in this film. It's all of those sweet looks. So I think it's time to discuss... Elizabeth Bennett, who in this adaptation is played by the queen, the uncontested queen of period dramas, Miss Keira Knightley, who has played, as I'm sure you know, um, Elizabeth Swan, another great Elizabeth in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. She has played Anna Karenina in the film Anna Karenina. Um, she's she's done all of your favorite period pieces, so. What do you guys think of Kira Knightley's Elizabeth Bennet? Goddess Divine does not express enough how I feel about Kira Knightley. She is in not one of my favorite films, but in multiple. Pirates of the Caribbean is my favorite film franchise 
do not talk to me about four. We don't speak <laughs> about four. And I have not watched five because I've heard things. Let me just live in bliss of the first one. I have two copies on DVD. She can do no period acting wrong, in my opinion. I love her. And her acting of Elizabeth is beautiful. There's so many things that I caught in her acting now as a older woman than when I was 18 of just her heartbreak of laying in bed with Jane after they've both come back from their trips and her just saying, I saw Mr. Darcy and Jane asking, of course, you know, like in her pure innocent mind after Bing Lee, because those two are attached at the hip and Elizabeth says no and you just see a tear fall from her eye because she's so in pain because she wants to talk about this but she can't. Kira Knightley acts with her face and we all know this and she's great but she also acts like from the chest up like she acts from the waist up and it's just a great expression of like Elizabeth in my mind is all like driven from her head if that makes sense, you know, like she's very um, headstrong, obviously, obstinate and headstrong girl. <laughs> Call her out. But the way that Kira Knightley portrays that is in a very realistic way, where she is very protective of her family. She understands their faults, but she's very protective and she only wants the best for them. Even if, you know, that might be her detriment sometimes. You know, one thing we talked about in the 95 Pride and Prejudice is that Jennifer L's Elizabeth is kind of a very, like, fun sassy. And I yes. liked that. But rewatching this, Kira Knightley mm -hmm. to me is just a more accurate picture of what I think Elizabeth is in my head. Um, Elizabeth is a a witty sassy and I love that it's a her her intellect is shining through and I that that is how I imagine her and I love the way that Kira Knightley as you said she's acting with her face in every moment it's almost like you can see what she's thinking um I especially love post proposals the proposal scene first of all just what oh. the heck oh my gosh oh. the first proposal scene that happens in the rain under the little gazebo situation just a masterpiece oscar worthy acting right there how was yes. this not nominated for Who oscars i not me but elizabeth's you can see her becoming increasingly angry you know at first she's mad but she is kind of controlling it and then she just gets progressively more and more upset and more and more out of control of her emotions and and words and I love that and then I I just love when she reads the letter that we see her change of heart happening all over her face and all over her attitude and I just thought that was amazing I think she did such a great job and I, I that proposal scene you guys uh, I just, I, I, I was joking around with Austin after the hand flex scene. I was like, how is this movie rated PG when they literally just had sex? Like, 
<laughs> and then after the proposal scene, I was like, they did it again. Like I, the chemistry is <gasps> amazing. The intimacy. Whoa. Insane. Yeah. I love Keira Knightley. She's one of my all time favorite actresses. I do not understand how people dislike her. I know a lot of people do, How? but I really, really like her. Um, there's a, a guy on TikTok who does imitations of Keira Knightley acting. It's like with a lot of lippage and a lot of teeth. She and does. Ben now cannot like see Keira Knightley or Keira Knightley cannot be mentioned without him bringing up that guy. And it really irritates me because <laughs> my love for her is so strong. She's in so many movies that I really like. So, And yes, I mean, she is my Elizabeth. She is the first Elizabeth I ever saw and fell in love with. Um, one of the most beloved literary characters of all time for me. And that's just, that's just her. She's just Elizabeth. And it's really hard for me to, to look at that critically, I'll admit. Um, but I do think she does an excellent job. I think that her wit, I, I mean, I just really like the wittiness of her character. And she's so, she's so well matched, um, her and Darcy. Mm-hmm. And just one quick note, I feel like it's really worth saying and kind of a great example of how great this film is. But every single one of the Bennett sisters went on to become pretty famous mm-hmm. and very talented actresses who are still working. And if that doesn't speak to the film, I don't know what does, because this is what really launched most of their careers. Yeah, it was crazy for me to watch Lydia and think about her <laughs> eventually becoming Joanna Mason in the Hunger Games series, like a wax yielding murderer. <laughs> Um, but I was going to say to that, Beth, one of my favorite Elizabeth Witt moments was uh, at the <laughs> that Lucas Lodge ball. Um, Mr. Darcy oh, yes. is talking to Elizabeth and this is after he's already spurned her uh, that, you know, he didn't realize it, but he said that she uh, was hardly tempting. Mm, exactly. Um, and... <laughs> Mrs. Bennett is talking about how Jane's previous suitor wrote her poems and Elizabeth's trying to recover for her mom. And she's like, oh, yeah, uh, well, you know, poetry can is the killer of love. And Mr. Darcy's like, I thought poetry was the food of love. Shout out to my man, Shakespeare. And Elizabeth's like, a, a, a fine stout, stout love, love it may. But I am convinced that uh, one sonnet might kill a young love dead or something like that and mr darcy's like well then what do you recommend to encourage affection and she says dancing dancing even if one's partner is barely barely tolerable and then she tur- oh my mic <laughs> and then she turns and walks away and she has her head held high and her shoulders back and the look on her face just says try me try me <laughs> and i love it Beth, one of uh, an- another one of my favorite scenes that you might not have known you mentioned uh, when you're talking about chemistry between Darcy and Elizabeth in this film is at the end when after the second proposal, uh, they're going and getting her father's approval um, and they like Darcy's done talking and like he leaves and they pass each other, and then like the door slowly shut. Uh, but Elizabeth, in trying to convince her father, you know, like I do love this man. They're talking about how 
she's just they've been so wrong about each other and you can see her like really showing her dad who it is clear in this film that they have a very close father-daughter relationship it's just so believable that she's like we were just wrong about each other because we liked each other and then we we couldn't figure out how to make it work and then this she's just like blabbering and her dad's like oh you do love him okay I, did, I yeah, Lori. I absolutely love the relationship between Mr. Bennett and Elizabeth in this film. It's just so sweet. But let's move on to talk about our leading man, Mr. Darcy, who is played by the mysterious, tall, dark, and handsome Matthew McFadden. He's been in quite a few films since this one. Uh, in the 2010 Robin Hood, he played the Sheriff of Nottingham. The 2011 Three Musketeers, he was Athos. He starred alongside Karen Knightley in Anna Karenina as Oblonsky. He, actually her brother, which is kind of <laughs> ironic. Um, recently, he was also with Karen Knightley in The Nutcracker and the Four Realms as Mr. Stahlbaum. And he's been in the show Succession as Tom Wamscans. What did you guys think of Matthew McFadden's Mr. Darcy? I will just go ahead and say he's never been in anything as good as this. I don't think. Um, but I, I also have never seen such a a crazy, almost indescribable thing happen in film. Oh my gosh, yes. Where a man can be so unattractive and by the end of the film... He is the sexiest man alive. I mean, I don't know how it's possible, but they accomplished it. How Joe it. did it. How Joe did it, we don't know. But he did that. Gosh, mm. him walking disheveled, long coat through the misty morning with the sun behind him. Oh, uh, crazy. Crazy attractive. You want to talk about a film that is from the female gaze. <laughs> it is this film. That's true. I love this man. He, okay, yes, this is my Darcy. This is the man I would pick to play every Darcy ever, uh, as long as it's also directed by Joe Wright and starring Keira Knightley. Um, the sheer brilliance of how they managed to pull off that trick, I don't know. They deserve an Oscar for that alone. But the sheer character development that this man goes through throughout the entire film. And I mean, you see it the minute that Elizabeth just spits the truth back in his face in the first proposal scene. He just immediately is like, well, that did not go as planned. And you can immediately see how to heart he takes it. And the next time you see him is like a man changed. So... Yes, besides the fact that this man definitely set the standard for tall, dark, and handsome and mysterious for me, and definitely has, you know, uh, slighted all men going forward, um, I'm sorry, there's a lot to live up to, because this is my man, and you now have to drastically change your character for the better for me. Did I have to take a break from watching this movie for a while, because it was really harming me emotionally when I was trying to date? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
Yeah, I, oh gosh, Matthew McFadden does an incredible job. I feel like at the beginning, you see the pride, but you also see kind of the the shy awkwardness underlying mm-hmm. the pride as well. And I think that you can tell when Darcy falls for Elizabeth, but Matthew McFadden portrays it in such a subtle way that you can understand why Elizabeth doesn't see it. And I really loved that. I also, again, the proposal scene does things to me that I just cannot even describe. I was talking to Austin about how incredible it is. He is uh, clearly, he's in love with her, but he is not self-aware. So when he's proposing, he says all of those those things that are horrible about her family. And when she rejects him, he gets slowly more and more upset and his pride gets more hurt and he gets more angry. And what I love about their argument is that it is so passionate. Like decorum goes out the window and I love how passionate it gets because it's, it turns into like, oh my gosh, do they hate each other? But it's like that thing, the line between love and hate is enemies to lovers baby it it is amazing to watch that because the reason they're so passionate is because they're in love at least darcy's in love with her and i love that scene um like you were talking about Lori, the change that matthew mcfadden portrays as well like he softens so slowly and so well and i loved loved love and this is kind of illustrating what you're talking about earlier Beth with the emphasis on family but Matthew McFadden is just luminous when he's interacting with his sister Georgiana and I loved mm-hmm. that it's this glimpse that we get into the true uninhibited character of Mr. Darcy and I love that that kind of joy and mirth spills over to his interaction with Elizabeth and I love Oh, just, just again, the chemistry between Keira Knightley and Matthew McFadden in that first interaction. She does such a great job of portraying that awkwardness that she's feeling. And he does so well at portraying that he, he just wants her to be like comfortable and at ease. And he wants to be friends with her and close to her and, and kind. And, oh my gosh, it's just, just amazing. And one of my favorite things that he does is in the proposal scene talking about how this movie is real and gets you Mm. gets you he says i love i love i love you he is just so overcome that you see the growth of love that he can't even get the words out now and i love that moment so much it kills me it's so beautiful i love his version of mr darcy and i don't know we talked a lot about how we were disappointed in Colin Firth's version of Darcy and there was, you know, there was a lot going on there, but this is really just such a a book accurate version of Darcy to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that. It's kind of a more like socially awkward bent Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. I felt like uh, Colin Firth's character's arrogance was so Mm -hmm. strong and there was such crazy animosity between him and Elizabeth. It was just, it was a challenge and I didn't love it. And so I really, really love um, this version of Darcy. It was so wonderful. And again, I love what you were saying, how that, that surprise and delight at his relationship with his sister and, and the shift that we see in him, those are all just such excellent things. And 
I think a lot of this movie, what makes it wonderful is the direction, but it wouldn't be so good without the acting. And Mm. he does such a good job of portraying every single one of those very complicated Mm -hmm. emotions that Darcy's feeling. Also, can I just really quickly mention another moment that is just so subtle, but so beautiful is when Darcy and Elizabeth pass each other in the hall, when they're talking to Mr. Bennett, taking turns, they just, the look that they share between each other is amazing. Gosh, well, I know that there are so many incredible other characters in this film that really stuck out. And I think, why don't we each just say a quick a shout out to a side character that we really liked in this. And I'll go ahead and make um, my side character shout out. I really like this version of Wickham. I think (gasps) the way that he looks with the the long hair, the um, very handsome face, but like harsh cheekbones. Mm -hmm. Um, He is so suave and Mm -hmm. um, so believable as that guy who is, you know, attractive and sweet but then becomes trash it it is very easy to believe his story you completely understand why elizabeth is taken captive with by him and then you completely believe what darcy says about him Uh, an excellent casting choice um, in my opinion for me it has to be donald sutherland I love that man so much, but I just love this portrayal of Mr. Bennett. Now, I'm going to be honest. I think in the book, Mr. Bennett is not a great dad. And in this movie, Mr. Bennett has his flaws too, but he he's such a good dad in this film. The way he comforts the crying Mary and his relationship with Elizabeth is so precious. I love the looks that they share when Mr. Collins is visiting and making a fool out of himself and Elizabeth and her dad are kind of teasing him together. And I love the scene when he tells Elizabeth, you know, you don't have to marry Mr. Collins. Um, And I absolutely love the scene where she goes to her dad and tells him that she's in love with Mr. Darcy. The way he laughs, he just, it's so precious. Um, I love their relationship so much. Besides, um, a small shout out to Joe Wright for being possibly the best director ever. Um, I think my side character is Mrs. Bennett. I loved this portrayal of Mrs. Bennett, especially now, um, of like really seeing the family aspect in this. You can tell she is very much just a frazzled woman uh, who has many daughters who will inherit nothing and she does love them. And so obviously that line where she tells Lizzie, when you have five daughters, tell me what else will be on your mind all the time besides marriage, you know? Like, I feel like this was a great balance between crazy Mrs. Bennett and like insane Mrs. Bennett and a true to life stressed out mother who really loves her children is exasperated by some of them as most mothers at one point or another are but wants the best for them also since nobody mentioned him I have to give a shout out to Mr. Collins what an (laughs) amazing Mr. Collins what excellent boiled potatoes He is so awkward. So I know 
too much to my detriment that this movie is not perfect. There, I admitted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some book to movie inaccuracies. Some lines are switched up, and when they are delivered, some scenes are a little bit shifted. You know, timing's a little different. Um, I think perhaps the biggest one is when Darcy and how Darcy gets the letter to Elizabeth explaining, you know, the whole background situation. The biggest and I think most controversial choice that they made in this film that I love and I will defend to my death. Do you hear me? My death. Fight me, people. I love this part, too. Uh, is the end credit scene, <laughs> which I have recently realized is only in the U.S. editions. Mm-hmm. So if you are a non-U.S. listener, please tell me if you've seen this end scene. And if you haven't, go watch it with a good glass of wine and just prepare to sigh in pure bliss. Because the end scene where you get, well, what can I call you when I am happy? Mrs. Darcy, when you are only incandescently happy. And then he just, he's kissing her face and he's calling her Mrs. Darcy, Mrs. Darcy. In a British accent, it's so good. I, I love it. I love it. I don't care if it's inaccurate. I don't care. For many of my first viewings of this film, I had only watched the television versions. I think maybe the first time I watched it, I watched the theatrical version. But then for a long time, it was just the t- like the TV versions, like when it came on or we would record it or whatever. And it was like in college when I finally rewatched the full version. Oh my god! There were so many scenes that wow. were, aren't in like aren't in the television version, including that end scene. Wow. And I knew By that I had seen it, but there were a lot of other scenes too that I was excited to. Wow. To rediscover. Um, I will just say, we, we have talked a good bit about the differences between the book and the movie. I just think that this is the overall sentiment that at least that I feel, which is that I am devastated by what is left out, but I still cannot help by being consistently delighted. I mean, every time I watch this film, it is an absolute joy and I love, I love it every time. I want to, I want to see something wrong and I just, I love it. It's wonderful. There is nothing wrong. Yeah, we do have some characters that are missing. Charles Bingley's married sister does not exist in this film. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Gardner don't have kids in this film. Um, The other sister of Mrs. Bennett's, Mrs. Phillips, does not exist in this film. And now none of these characters are really pivotal to the plot of the film. Um, But I do think one thing that is missing for me, that's a little bit sad is some of the moments of Jane being in London. We really don't get to see or hear about any of the times that Caroline spurned her while she was in London. Um, so we don't really get to see the trauma of that visit for her. We don't get to see Charles when Elizabeth is visiting Pemberley with her aunt and uncle. Um, and I think that's such an important part of the movie for me too. Um, also, Mr. Darcy never mentions Elizabeth's fine eyes, which is always. Oh, hard I have for noticed me. that. Yeah, I'll I'll pass it up for the hand flicks. Yeah. Again, I just want to say, amazing movie. I don't think any of these things took away from the movie. As we said, the pacing was incredible. Uh, these characters did not change anyone's lives, but 
if you're looking for a completely book to movie accurate film, these are things that are left out yes. that would bother you. So true. I don't know how we can make these next points more clear than we already have throughout this entire uh, podcast, but make it or break it. If you have a break it, ladies, what are they? This is so challenging. So I've decided just to go with something that I have originally loved about this film, something that I loved right from the very first time that I saw it. And before I started, you know, way overthinking and all that. And that is that I love how the passage of time is represented Mm. in this film and really specifically the scene where she's sitting on the the little bench swing and Charlotte comes up to her and tells her that she's marrying Mr. Collins and, and then she spins and spins around and the seasons are changing. So it's that scene that I really, really love. I used to think that was just the coolest thing (laughs) when I was in middle school and I watched this. Um, And then the other scene is her, standing in front of the mirror after Darcy's proposing it's like she's processing what's going on and it goes from morning to night to morning and we see all of that happening on her face and there's the whole self-reflection thing because she's in the mirror yes it's it's so wonderful and so there's just so many unique things that they did that I really loved and I just thought it was the coolest thing when I was 13 years old and watching this movie and I still think it's the coolest thing now and then I think that my break it would be one thing that I noticed was uh, the lack of uh, alone time and conversation between Elizabeth and Darcy. Uh, we missed those scenes where they, you know, he inadvertently, but actually on purpose, joins her on walks um, while she's at Ro- Rosings. And, and some of the scenes that they share together when she comes to Pemberley, those were things that I I did miss and I wish I could see between Kira and Matthew. I think they would do an excellent job in those scenes. And, you know, I wonder what they could have done if they had more time. Um, I don't have a break it. (laughs) This is my favorite movie. If you're going to force me to pick a break it, um, this time around, I did notice one little tiny thing that I didn't love. Uh, And it actually happens within like the first 10 minutes of the film. And it's that moment where all of the girls are spilling through the doorframe into, I guess, their sitting room. Uh, And Mr. Bennett's like, I've already met Mr. Bingley. You know, he's coming to the ball, whatever, and the girls are all happy. Well, there's this weird moment where obviously we know that Elizabeth is the main character but it's almost like the director really wanted to make it clear that this is the main character because Kira Knightley is almost quasi thrown onto a couch um, in the middle of the frame. And that kind of like shook me this last time where I was kind of like, that's a little odd. Um, so I guess if I have to choose something, I'm a little disgruntled. Uh, my make it is everything. You can never take this film away from me. Uh, If you try, I will fight you. If I have to pick, I guess I'll pick a couple. Uh, The four main actors are brilliant, beautiful, and I love them all so dearly. I will keep your portrayals forever in my heart. Uh, On a more critical thinking level, the 
realization I had this last time of the depiction of family and how real all of the characters are to the level of the family maid is like she's not caricatured no one in this film is like a caricature of a person everyone is like a real human being down to the little moments and I just love that about this film yeah for me (laughs) I have a couple of each things so my break it like you Beth it's some of those moments that are missing I just found myself this time I love this film, but I wish we had more time. I wish we saw, like you said, those walks between Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. I wish we saw uh, the the tour that he takes her with her aunt and uncle on of their grounds where he shows them around. I wish we saw the dinner that she has with him and Mr. Bingley. I just really missed those moments and I wish we could have seen them. I also really wish that we could have seen the the way the book portrays uh, Mr. Darcy keeps coming to visit the Bennett's house and Elizabeth keeps trying to figure out, does he like me? Does he not like me? And um, so I really did miss those things. And I think that is probably my break it. Um, Now, I think my make it, gosh, the rain initial proposal scene, seriously, I am so, so beautiful. Obsessed. It's so beautiful. It's so amazing. It 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 is a perfect scene. Uh, when I back when I was teaching high school English, I had uh, my students debating on. Uh, I had them choose actors to cast in a an adaptation of the Taming of the Shrew, and they chose Kira Knightley to um, play the main character in Taming of the Shrew, Catherine. And um, yes. they used that scene as an example, and I was just sitting there in class, like fangirling over it as their teacher. <laughs> Incredible. Um, and I. They knew in that moment that they had won. <laughs> <laughs> they got an A. Um, but I also loved the little moments that we talked about, specifically Jane and Bingley's little moments, the smiles that they share between dances, the hand on the dress, Darcy's hand flex, the little moments are my other make it. Just mm-hmm. as a category, it makes the movie for me. All right, Lori, from the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, who would you date? Do I even need to say it? He has been and will forever be the perfect man, in my opinion. Uh, There is few and far between who I can compare to him. And I doubt there ever will be. (laughs) Darcy in this film is immaculate. And I love him so much. Yes, Bingley is also good in this film too, Julia. Don't don't worry. Uh, but Mr. Darcy just... Uh, I can barely talk. Like how good his acting is in this film. It just captures you. And like all I do is just softly sigh while I watch this film every single time mm. because it's just amazing. Like you want to talk about like a small comparison, just like the hand flex scene uh, after he helps Elizabeth into the carriage to the very soft, relaxed hand that you get a quick shot of when Elizabeth is very quickly running away from him uh, when she goes to see Pemberley is just, 
beautiful immaculate i really <laughs> wish i could have met him in person and i would love to play elizabeth in this film just to be opposite of him okay i'm gonna stop babbling now beth how was your drink <laughs> my bartles and james wine cooler was delightful I love the grapefruit flavor. It is far superior to the lemon and ginger flavor. Never going back. Um, That's very good. It it made a a quite nice, refreshing beverage for this really delightful conversation. How was your drink, Julia? My dragon pearl jasmine tea was great. I love this tea. I love watching the pearls bloom. Um, It's just delightful as was this movie, as was this conversation. So perfect accompaniment beverage. Great delight all around. Fun fact, I can never drink jasmine tea anymore because one time I steeped jasmine tea for 30 minutes and then made myself drink it. Oh, no. Scarred for life. That's what oh, I am. No. How is your drink, Lori? Your black cherry tea? <laughs> My black cherry tea was delightful. There is actually a little bit left. Um, and kudos to Celestial because you can drink this tea cold. It is still flavorful and great. Uh, you don't need sugar for this. And if you like strong teas with a lot of flavor, I greatly cheers you with this. I feel like Lori saying you don't need sugar is also quite the statement. That is quite the statement. she likes sugary drinks. I do. <laughs> do you not? Um, well, friends, thank you so much for joining us. As we've already said, it was such a delight to have this conversation about the 2005 Pride and Prejudice starring Kira Knightley. Please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us, give us that five-star rating. Give us a glowing, delightful review. We will be ever so grateful. And you can follow us on Instagram. We are at Sips and Sensibility Pod. And you can like our Facebook page, Sips and Sensibility. All right, I get to tell you what we're doing next. Uh, As much as I am saddened to leave this film behind, I'm excited for the next one because I haven't seen this much to my co-stars surprise. (laughs) Next time, we are going to watch another cult classic, Bridget Jones' Diary. Yeah, we're switching it up. We're going towards some modern films now and we're really excited to talk about this one and we have colin firth again ladies and gentlemen you can watch this film on hulu or amazon with a star subscription or if you don't have a star subscription or have already used your free trial you can rent it for 3.99 until next time keep on sipping y'all